This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. For those seeking genuine transformation, SoundsTrue.com is your trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. Many voices, one journey. SoundsTrue.com. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today I speak with Gary Renard. Gary has a remarkable story. Over the course of nine years, Gary was visited by two beings named Persa and Artin in a series of encounters. These ascended beings, as Gary refers to them, claimed to have once been disciples of Jesus. And even more remarkably, one claimed to be Gary himself from a future incarnation. During the encounters, the beings introduced Gary to the book A Course in Miracles and helped him to better understand that book's central concept of forgiveness. Gary's account of these conversations is recorded in his book, The Disappearance of the Universe. He is also the author of the Sounds True audio learning programs, Secrets of the Immortal, Advanced Teachings from A Course in Miracles, and The End of Reincarnation, breaking the cycle of birth and death. I spoke with Gary about the disappearance of the universe, the practice of putting the Holy Spirit in charge of your life, what forgiveness means to him, and what it means to undo the ego. Gary, thanks for joining us on Insights at the Edge. I'm happy to be here. Your work is a bit controversial, or at least that's what I discovered when I did a little web research on you. And it was controversial in the sense of some people saying, you know, of course, how much benefit they got from your work, and it doesn't really matter where the information comes from, and that's not the point. But then other people really questioning, how could it be possible that two beings spontaneously came in front of you and and over nine years transmitted the information that was featured in your book, The Disappearance of the Universe? And so I'm wondering if you could just tell our Sounds True listeners a little bit about this aspect of your work, how the information came to you. And then also, can you tell me anything that will convince me that this actually happened? Well, sure, Tammy. I I think that the thing that people do not understand if they question things like that, and most of my readers and listeners do not question it, but for those who do, I would say to them that the Holy Spirit will show up for them in a way that they can accept and understand. For example, the Holy Spirit could show up to people in this dream, which is what it really is, as an angel. And they would say, oh, that's an angel. And they don't understand that that's really the Holy Spirit showing up to them in a way that they can accept and understand. Uh, The Holy Spirit could show up to them as uh, a religious figure like the Virgin Mary. And that's something that other people could, you know, respect, understand, and it would be okay with them, because the Holy Spirit has to show up in the dream uh, in a way that everybody can feel comfortable with. Now, for me personally, the Holy Spirit showed up as these two people on my living room couch, and that was a way that I could accept and understand. And uh, that's something that is a personal thing. So it's helpful for everybody, for the Holy Spirit to show up in a way that they can accept that was acceptable to me maybe it's not acceptable to everybody but it doesn't have to be because the truth is 
that everybody will be guided one step at a time along the path in a way that they can feel comfortable with, and that's what's important. So when you say the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit shows up in the way that we need or the way that we can accept, what do you mean, the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is simply your memory of God, your memory of home. Now, the Holy Spirit is very important because the Holy Spirit is your kind of like guiding light. It's like kind of like a lighthouse that guides you home. You can see the light from a distance, even if you're really not ready for it. You can see it kind of like glimmering in the light, and you kind of like go towards it. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. Now, the closer you get to the Holy Spirit, the closer that it feels. And it's uh, kind of like a thing where, you know, you have to kind of like be guided one step at a time. And as you go there, the Holy Spirit will kind of like be speaking to you, almost like an idea in your mind. And as that idea is, you know, getting closer and closer, the stronger it gets. Now, let's say someone's listening and they're thinking, you know, I want to have more of a direct experience of the Holy Spirit, the way Gary's describing it. What, what do you suggest? Well, what you need to do in order to get that, you know, kind of like better experience of the Holy Spirit is to undo this thing that I'm going to call the ego. The ego is what you think is you. The ego is this personal identity, this kind of like thing that you think is you. And uh, there have been many, many brilliant people who have gone a long ways towards describing the problem, towards describing the ego which is the idea of separation from your source, the idea of individual identity, uh, personal existence. Uh, certainly all the people that uh, we listen to most, you know, nowadays, you know, it's like uh, they're very good at describing the problem. What they're not very good at is describing a solution. They're not very good at describing a way home. What I believe is uh, beautiful about A Course in Miracles, which is the... Uh, spiritual teaching that my teachers based their opinions on is that it does give you a way home. It actually undoes the ego, like the Course says, uh, you know, salvation is undoing. So it actually gives you a way of undoing the ego as quickly as possible and leads you home. Uh, That's something that Buddhism is also very good at. Uh, It's like you undo the false you, you undo the ego, And eventually the real you is all that's left. And that's why it's such a brilliant approach, because you don't have to struggle to be what you already are. You don't have to kind of like put a lot of effort in to be what you already are, because you're already perfect. All that you have to do is undo the false you, and then eventually the real you will be all that's left. And that's what I think is a brilliant approach of great spiritual teachings like Buddhism and A Course in Miracles, is that it undoes the ego, and then eventually your home. Now, does your work underscore and highlight principles in A Course in Miracles, or does it take A Course in Miracles further in any way? Absolutely, because my work, uh, it kind of like defines the solution. Uh, As I said before, people are very good at defining the problem. What I think is brilliant about A Course in Miracles is that it actually defines a solution, and it gets you home as fast as possible. And I'm not, you know, putting down anybody else's work. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, what is important is to go home. But you can't do that without understanding that that's the goal. Uh, There are a lot of people who 
will spend a lot of time kind of like defining everything that's going on in the world. But so what? I mean, that's just the world. The ultimate goal is to go home, and you can't do that without wanting to do it. It's like you have to understand, just like, uh, you know, I, when I bring up people like God and Jesus and all that stuff, it's like uh, people think I'm religious. Actually, I'm not. I'm not a very religious person. It's just that uh, at some point you have to realize that the problem was that we left home, and the solution is to go home. And when you understand that, which most people don't, but when you understand that uh, the time is to go home, then you will. Okay, now just um, you mentioned something, and maybe it was a, a verbal slip, but you said, when I mentioned people like God and Jesus, you don't think of God as a person, do you? No, actually God is a higher life form than us. Uh, God is actually perfect love. It's kind of like a, a butterfly you know, compared to a caterpillar. We are caterpillars, and then we're going to go home to a higher life form. And God does not think like people, because God is not human. And, you know, so God is really perfect love, just like the Bible said, just like the Course in Miracles says, God is actually perfect love. And what we need to do, instead of dragging God down to our level, what we need to do is go up to God's level and be perfect love. That's something the great masters like Buddha and Jesus understood was that instead of dragging God down to their level, they had to go up to his level or her level because, you know, God is not a he or a she because there is no such thing as distinctions in perfect spirit. So it's kind of like, uh, and I'm glad that you asked that question because it's kind of like, uh, yeah, God is absolutely perfect love, but you can't compromise on that. If God is actually perfect love, then the only thing that perfect love would know how to do would be to love. And if God knew how to do anything else, then God wouldn't be perfect love. So it's very important to understand that, that distinction. You've mentioned the word home several times. Now, I could clearly be home right now, right in this instant, no matter where I am listening to your words. Is it true? Yeah? Well, you could, but it wouldn't be easy because it wouldn't be true in your experience unless you undo the ego, because the ego is interfering with that experience of being home. I think that a lot of students, uh, no matter what their you know, particular persuasion is, and, and I don't say that A Course in Miracles is the only way you know, to get home. There are many ways to get home. What I'm saying is, is that you have to undo this thing called the ego in order to actually have that in your experience that you're home. And that's the difference between, uh, you know, what most spiritual students are doing. They're really just trying to experience being here and, and being here now and being here better. And that's fine. I'm not putting it down. But once again, it's not a way home. It's, it doesn't actually define a way for you to get back to your source. And the undoing of the ego, which is, as I said, the brilliant approach of uh, Buddhism or, or Course in Miracles, is that it actually gives you a way home. So I think that's a distinction that needs to be made. Okay, well, I, I want to see if I understand what you're talking about, because I know part of your work has to do with helping people understand the end of reincarnation that it's possible not to come back in a physical form, in a body on the earth. And I want to see, are you saying that home isn't possible here on earth when we're incarnated? Right. Um, What I'm saying is that there's this deep 
ontological thing in the mind that runs people, and people don't know about it because it's unconscious. If it was conscious, then, you know, they'd uh, be aware of it, but obviously it's unconscious and they're not aware of it. And this thing follows us from lifetime to lifetime, from incarnation to incarnation. And when you're in that in-between period, that place that we would call the afterlife or the in-between life or whatever you want to define it as, it's it's kind of like there. And just as this universe was made as an escape from that, when you're in this in-between life, what happens is is that you start to experience it. And the reason that you incarnate or seem to incarnate again, because we're never actually in a body, that's a whole different subject, but uh, we are apparently in bodies. And uh, the reason that we come here is to escape from this. Now, if you undo the problem, then you would have the solution. There wouldn't be any reason for you to incarnate again. There wouldn't be any reason for you to come to this world, which we think is really probably a beautiful place in the case of some people. But the only problem is is that it's a world of duality. It's a world of uh, life and death. It's a world of up and down. It's a world where you have all these different counterparts that go on and on. And what we want to do is get back to a world where there are no counterparts, where instead of, you know, kind of having kind of scarcity uh, instead of abundance and having both of those things, uh, you get to a place where you only have abundance. You get to a place where you only have life instead of death also, where you, where you don't have these counterparts. That's what A Course in Miracles means when it's talking about, you know, the opposite of love is fear, but uh, what is all-encompassing, which is obviously God, can have no counterparts. So it's kind of like you're getting back to a place where you don't have these problems, where you don't have these uh, really you know, extreme kinds of bizarre things going on in front of our faces, where you only have uh, beauty and wonder and abundance. And, and uh, you know, that experience is actually possible uh, to have while you even appear to be here as a body. And that's the experience that a, a great spiritual teaching like Buddhism or A Course in Miracles is directed toward. So to see if I understand you correctly, you, Gary Renard, could be home right here, right now, with an undone ego. And that's, of course, possible. There's no need to sort of die or uh, and not come back in a physical form for that, that experience of home to be real. I, I think that that's a beautiful way of putting it, Tammy. I, I think that, uh, you know, great masters like uh, Jesus actually experienced their perfect divinity with God while they appeared to be here in a body. So they were walking around, yeah, they appear to walk around as human beings, but the truth is once the ego is completely undone, they're having this experience of their perfect oneness with God. That's resurrection. Resurrection is not something that occurs after you die. Resurrection is something that occurs while you still appear to be here walking around in a body. And that's the experience that the Course is directed toward. And so what is your relationship to your body? How do you experience well, having a my body? relationship to my body is that it's not me. And I used to think that it was very much me. You know, I, I would hold my hand up <laughs> in front of my face, and I would say, wow, that's me. Or, or I would look in the mirror, and uh, I would say, wow, you know, that's scary. And now I understand that that's not me at all. And uh, it's like a projection. You know, the American Indians used to say, behold the great mystery. 
A Course in Miracles says, behold the great projection, because that's all that it is. It's actually a projection that is coming from you, and it's very much like a movie theater, and I only use this analogy because, you know, uh, people who have read my books, you know, The Disappearance of the Universe or Your Immortal Reality, they understand that uh, I like to go to the movies. That's my hobby. And I go into the movie theater, and my, you know, kind of like attention is, is distracted to the screen. You know, it's like I look at the screen, and I get lost in it, and I'm, I might even get into it emotionally. And I forget that there's this thing called a projector. You're not supposed to look at the projector. You're supposed to look at the screen. So our attention has been diverted to the screen, and that's very much what this world is like. Our attention has been diverted to the screen, and we forget that there's not really anything happening on the screen. That what is happening is actually coming from a projector. Now, if we wanted to change what was on the screen, and I'm not saying that's the goal of the course, but it certainly is uh, kind of like a, you know, something that happens as a side effect when you kind of like focus on the screen you're at the effect when you focus on the projector then you're at cause that's why a course in miracles says this is a course in cause and not effect so you know you have all these course in miracles teachers you know kind of like teaching people how to change the world and here's the course in miracles saying that there is no world you know so it's like their focus is on the wrong place their focus is on the screen when their focus should be on the projector. The projector is the mind. The mind is hidden. It's not something that you're supposed to look at, just like in a movie theater. You're not supposed to look at that. But if you look at it, and if you changed what was in the projector, then the screen would take care of itself. You couldn't help but have an immediate impact on the screen by changing what's in the projector. That's why this is, of course, in cause and not effect. Okay, so let's say I want to look at my life in terms of cause not how it's manifesting not what I may or may not believe but I want to go directly to the cause how do I do that according to your work well the first thing you have to do is remember you know like the course is you know what is a miracle that this remembering what you have to do is shift from a place of cause to a place of effect if you remember that everything is coming from you then you're at cause if you forget then you're at effect. So remembering is the hardest part. In fact, that's the hardest part of doing this. But that's, you know, simple, yes. In fact, of course, Miracles uses the word simple something like 158 times. The only problem is, is that it's simple, but it's not easy. Because when you get caught up in the world, when you get caught up in your everyday life, it's very difficult to remember that, you know, this is coming from you. But the more you get used to kind of like looking at it that way, then it becomes more and more impossible for you to ever react to it the same way that you did before. The more you get used to seeing the world like it's coming from you instead of being done to you, now you're not a victim. You know, now you're actually doing something that is coming from a place of possibilities that have you know, kind of like power in them instead of kind of like being a a victim that has no power. There's no power in being a victim. But there's a lot of power in being at cause. There's a lot of power in realizing that everything you see is coming from you. And that's the difference between great spiritual masters like Buddha and Jesus. They realized that the world was not being done to them. Uh, it's actually being done by them. And that's something that they understood, which was the road to enlightenment.
No, no, I don't understand what you what you mean. Everything's being done by them. Things aren't being done to me, but they're being done by me. Meaning, let me let me just take this a little further, Gary. I, I mean, I can uh, imagine right now that the room I'm sitting in, that anything I can call it, any label, is an interpretation of my mind. So I could strip all the labels, all the concepts. But there, there still seems to be something happening. I don't know what it is, but there's kind of a happening happening that's happening. <laughs> yeah, okay. That I didn't make up or whatever. I mean, I don't know what to call it, and I don't even have to give it good or bad or anything, but something seems to be happening, yes? Well, think of it this way, okay? Uh, when you were in bed last night and you had a dream, that dream did appear to be happening. And... What we're looking at right now, you know, me appearing to talk to you on a telephone, you appearing to talk to me, uh, all the things that we think are going on in our lives, and yes, we do appear to have problems, we do appear to have uh, all these things going on. I think that I have bills to pay, I think that I have to pay for my retirement, I think that I have all this stuff going on, but is it really happening? Events in the dream do appear to happen. I'm not denying that experience. I'm not here to, to deny anybody's experience. What I'm hearing uh, myself say is that this is a false experience, that it's not really happening. So, yes, it does appear to be happening, just like events in a dream last night did appear to be happening, but that doesn't mean that they were real. They're not real. It's like Einstein uh, described the human experience. He, he said what we we're seeing is an optical delusion of consciousness. It looks real, yes. I'm not here to deny that. I'm just here to say that it's a false experience, that it's not real, that it's not true. And, you know, even a physicist today would say the same thing. He would say that, uh, or she would say, it's like, uh, you know, you're a non-spatial being having a spatial experience. Yes, it does appear like you're here, but the truth is, you're not here. Right. Well, a non, I'm a non-spatial being having a spatial experience. That, I understand. I mean, that makes sense to me, intuitively. Yeah. But that actually nothing's happening, that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. But maybe I don't understand you. No, that's okay. Because the answer to that question is not going to come to you or me in the form of an intellectual answer. Yeah. The answer to that question is going to come to you in the form of an experience, an experience of where you really are and where you really are. And when you have that experience, which is what the Course is directed toward, when the Course says uh, there is no answer, only an experience, seek only this and do not let theology delay you. What the Course is saying there is that the real answer to all of our most difficult questions in life is going to come to us not in the form of intellectual answer, but in the form of an experience. That experience is the answer. That experience is the answer to all of our questions. That experience of being in God, perfectly one with God, which is the great mystical experience that people have described, you know, throughout you know the ages, throughout thousands of years. When you have that experience, that's the answer because all of the questions that we have disappear in that experience. That's why uh, I think that, you know, this is just my personal opinion, but I think that, uh, you know, spirituality is something that offers, you know, us something that we can experience rather than intellectual answers. Intellectual answers are not going to do it for us. Intellectual answers are not going to make us happy. 
they're not going to do anything for us except you know fill our head with spiritual information which does you absolutely no good whatsoever but what will satisfy you and what will make you happy is that personal experience of your oneness with God or your source or the Tao or whatever you want to call it that experience is the answer and that's what I'm going for so then talk to me, Gary, not from a, a place of abstraction or theology, but from your experience. I mean, these, these beings appeared, which I think would clearly uh, break open anybody's sense of solidity and the, the um, normal conceptions of time and space. But what has the experience been of the, you know, the title of your book, The Disappearance of the Universe, that has left you incontrovertibly changed, your experience? Well, that's a brilliant question. I, I think that, uh, you know, the disappearance of the universe, the reason it was called that is because when you wake up from a dream, it disappears. You know, it's like it's not there anymore. And the only reason it could possibly disappear would be if it wasn't real. If it was real, then it couldn't disappear. So that's the reason for the title. And we've already described uh, my teachers as the Holy Spirit showing up, you know, in a way that I could accept and understand. So I think that the only reason that people have taken my book seriously uh, for the last six years is because, and in, in certainly uh, the book is spreading all throughout the world now, uh, I'm in uh, 20 different languages, and the reason that it's being taken seriously is because it evokes an experience on the part of the people who are reading it, which means to me personally that that's the Holy Spirit speaking to those people. So it's like, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit showed up and talked to me in such a way that it would also be valuable in some way to other people. And, uh, you know, I feel very grateful to uh, be able to even participate in this because I'm, there's nothing special about me. I don't claim to be anything special. I don't have any degrees or credentials. I'm, you know, just a guitar, you know, guitar player that, uh, you know, went on and on for 20 years and, you know, and there's really, you know, nothing spiritual about my background. It's just that, uh, wow, all of a sudden this happened, and I feel very grateful to even be involved in this kind of a thing. So when you say this happened, you mean the appearance of these two teachers in an astral form? Or? Yeah, um, not, they weren't even in an astral form. They were actually appearing to me as bodies. They would, would even allow me to touch them. Uh, they were like human beings. And I think that the reason they appeared to me as uh, human beings was because they wanted the conversations that we would have to be human. They wanted uh, to speak to me you know, right in my face and kind of like uh, you know, challenge me. And that made for a different style of conversation than what you have in most spiritual books. You know, most spiritual books, they're kind of like nice, you know, and they're polite, and they're kind of like coming from a higher place. They're kind of like channeled and stuff like that. The difference of the universe and your remote reality are not like that. They're kind of like uh, right in your face. They're kind of like uh, the kind of conversations that people would would naturally have. I've talked to Catholic priests who tell me that they love the book simply because of the fact that that's the way that people talk to them in confession. You know, that's, that's the way that people actually talk in real life. And I think that that's one of the appeals of my books is the fact that they're kind of like coming from a place where, you know, you can actually understand very bluntly what these guys are talking about. Okay, so what I, what I still want to understand is 
pre your experience of waking up from the dream, to use your language, and then post having woken up, what's the world like to you now? And how, how is that different? How do you experience moment by moment life in a different way? What do you experience? Yeah. Well, you know, there are a couple of things, Tammy. It's like, uh, first of all, I don't worry the way that I used to. I used to worry about everything. You know, I used to worry about... And, and when this started happening, like, 17 years ago, and now I'm working on my fourth book, you know, with Art and Persa, so when I first started uh, doing this, I used to worry about everything. And now I don't. Frankly, I don't worry about anything in this world. Uh I would like to say that I'm fearless because there's nothing here that can threaten me. When the Course says right at the beginning, nothing real can be threatened, well, I'm identifying with that something that is real instead of something that is not real. And what is not real is our existence as individual human beings. That is not real. What is real is like that whole other level. It's the difference between being a caterpillar and being a butterfly. It's like that whole different life form that you graduate to. That's the purpose of our spirituality. That's the purpose of everybody that you record. That's the purpose of everything that we're going for. It's like uh, you can actually have that experience. Even while you appear to be here as a human being, you can have that experience of being this perfect spirit, which is your reality. And once you have that experience, then you know that that's the truth. There is nothing here that can compare with that. There's nothing in this world that can compare with being this ultimate reality, which is exactly the same as God. Not part of it, but all of it. This perfect oneness, which is all of it. And it's actually possible for us to have that experience. Now, you ask me, you know, what my experience is. Well, I experience that a lot of the time. I'm not going to say that I experience that all the time. If I experience that all the time, then I would be like Jesus. I would be exactly the same as Jesus. But Jesus is saying to us in The Course in Miracles, that we can be like him. He says, there is nothing about me that you cannot attain. I have nothing that does not come from God. The difference between us now is that I have nothing else. And what he doesn't have is this thing called the ego, because the ego has been completely undone in him. And that's why he says salvation is undoing. You undo the ego completely, and then God is all that's left. So I think that... Uh, what I'm going towards, and I can feel it more and more, maybe every day now, it's like uh, what you're going towards is this experience of perfect oneness with God, which is our ultimate destiny. In that experience of perfect oneness, do you find yourself annoyed, frustrated? I mean, you mentioned, you know, a freedom from worry and fear, but there are many other ways that the experience of separation comes. Do you know what I mean? I wish I wasn't sitting on the plane next to XYZ person. <laughs> uh, don't talk to me about plane rides. I do plenty of that. Well, that's why I brought it up as an example. <laughs> but, uh, no, the truth is that uh, even while you're sitting there on the airplane, and even when uh, you know the captain is talking to you and you say, oh, no, not again, the truth is that you can experience that perfect oneness with God. Uh, it denies the ability of anything that is not God to affect you. So it's kind of like you can't be affected by the world. I think that uh, if you're going to measure yourself, and you know, if, if you're interested, and, you know, and most people are interested in how they're progressing 
on your spiritual path, if you're going to measure yourself, all you got to do is ask yourself, how long do I spend, you know, wasting my time being upset? There's a big difference between being upset for 30 seconds and being upset for 30 days. You know, and the less time that you spend being upset, that's a great indication of how much spiritual you know, awakening you were going through. Because, hey, if you're not upset, then that means that you're peaceful. And if you're peaceful, that's one of the indications of the fact that you're making great progress. Now, I'm with you, Gary, except this is my concern. When people hear something like that, then they stuff how upset they really are underneath this sort of spiritual persona. I want to progress, so I don't want to be upset. And, you know, they bury it somewhere in their, you know, small intestine or who knows where. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you have the the sort of phony, holy person. Well, the truth, Tammy, is that, yeah, you do get upset. Uh, I get upset. I get upset. The only difference is that it only lasts for 30 seconds. But if you're in touch with the Holy Spirit, if you're in, and certainly the word inspired means in spirit, if you're that much in touch with the Holy Spirit, then what you get is these answers that come to you that allow you to kind of like deal more effectively with the problem that's right in front of your face. So this to me is not about, you know, denial of the world. This to me is about actually being more effective in the world. You can actually, you know, get to a place where you can, you know, deal more decently with your problems and actually be more effective in the world. And it's not about turning your back on the world. The whole point of it is that it's a different quality of life. It's a higher quality of life. I actually feel uh, more inspired. I actually feel better about dealing with the problems that are right in front of my face than I used to because I didn't know what to do before, but now I do because I'm inspired. I'm in spirit. So what action do you take that allows you when being upset erupts in your being to go through it so quickly? What do you do? Well, I certainly don't do it myself. You know, I listen. You know, And, you know, people think that Jesus was like the ultimate leader. No, Jesus wasn't the ultimate leader. He was the ultimate follower. He followed the Holy Spirit. You know, he listened to the Holy Spirit. He eventually, the way he puts it in The Course in Miracles, is that eventually I listened to just one voice. And uh, it doesn't matter what religion you are, it doesn't matter, you know, where you come from, it's that way with all great masters. It's like they listen to the voice for God, whatever they define that as. It could be the Tao, it could be Plato, it could be whatever, you know. But wherever they're coming from, they're listening to that higher place instead of themselves. If they listen to themselves, that leads to disaster, always. But if they leave you know, listen to the Holy Spirit or that higher place, then it leads to something that is amazing. In fact, the word, you know, disaster uh, actually comes from disastral. It actually means that you're not listening to that higher place. Now, one of the questions I've heard Sounds True listeners ask a lot is, how do I know that I'm really hearing this voice, whether it's inner guidance or the Holy Spirit or the voice of my higher self? or when I'm listening through the filter of the ego? How do I know the difference? Mm -hmm. Well, I would say this. I would say, is the voice, and this involves a question, is the voice talking about love? Is it talking about forgiveness? Is it talking about something that kind of like makes you feel good in a positive kind of a way? Or is the voice that you're hearing in your mind, and that voice that you, you know, when you say what voice, I mean that voice, (laughs) you know, 
where is it coming from? Is it talking about something that is not peaceful? Is it talking about judgment? Is it talking about something, you know, and you can see this in the Bible, too. It's like uh, when you read the, the voice of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, all that beautiful stuff about love and forgiveness, that is obviously the Holy Spirit. But if you look in the Bible, in like in the book of Leviticus, where it says that all, you know, people who are... Uh, you know, homosexuals and adulterers should be put to death. That is not the Holy Spirit. It, it's like you can start to tell for yourself whether the voice is coming from a place of judgment or whether the voice is coming from a place of beauty and love and forgiveness. And that's how you can tell. And eventually, as you go along, you start to you know be able to discern for yourself you know, which voice you're listening to. It comes from experience, certainly, but it's like anything else. Experience leads to a greater, you know, form of expression. It's like if you wanted to be a great piano player, you would have to sit down and practice every day. And if you do, then you're going to be a great piano player. If you don't, then you're not going to be a great piano player. And it's the same with spirituality. If you sit down and practice every day and actually focus on that kind of spirituality, then eventually you will be someone who can listen to the Holy Spirit and you will know what that voice is coming from or where that voice is coming from, where if you don't practice, you know, it just can't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, Gary, I know that you created a program with Sounds True, and you, and you mentioned this phrase in our conversation, fearlessness and fearless love the title of the Sounds True program, Fearless Love. And I know that you recently, relatively recently, in the last few years, both got divorced and then have newly become married. And I'm, I'm wondering, in your own life process, in terms of relationships and the experience of both divorce and, and now marriage, what you've learned about this fearless love in terms of relationships? Gee, I don't know, Tammy, do you have any difficult questions? Yeah, well, you know, i got to throw a few at you, man. <laughs> no, actually, the truth is that uh, my former wife, Karen, who people who have read my books, they know about Karen, and uh, her and I actually have a very good relationship because uh, we're both into A Course in Miracles, and we're both into this kind of forgiveness that comes from a place of cause and not effect. My wife, Cindy, and I are both coming from that place, uh, one of the reasons I love her dearly is because she's an expert on uh, spirituality. She's a master's degree in psychology, and she's smarter than I, but I forgive her. And it's like, uh, wow, you know, it's like I've been blessed to have these people in my life. And, uh, you know, most of the people in my life have died. Uh, my parents, my grandparents, uh, my best friend just died this year. Uh, you know, all these people, my, my uncle who taught me how to play the guitar, it's like all these people have passed away in my life. So the people that I have are my brother Paul, my former wife Karen, and my wife Cindy. And these are the three people who are the closest to me. And it's like uh, we're all coming from this place of forgiveness. We're all coming from this place of a place that leads to fearlessness. I'm not saying that we're all totally fearless, but we are coming from the place that leads to fearlessness. And it's like, wow, we have these beautiful relationships. And I think that that's what the Course is directed towards. You know, and, and the Course says, you know, the Course in Miracles says it's part of the universal curriculum. So we're all going to the same place. We're all going to end up in uh, heaven. That's one of the things that I love about Course in Miracles is because it gives us, you know, 
a solution. It doesn't just give us the problem, which is what most people do. It actually gives us a solution and a way to go home and says that we're all going to the same place. Now, now slow down a second, Gary. What, what do you mean by heaven? Well, to me, heaven, as it's defined by A Course in Miracles, is that awareness of perfect oneness. And the knowledge, and I think knowledge in A Course in Miracles would be very similar to the way that the Gnostics uh, use the word gnosis. It's, it's not uh, intellectual knowledge. It's an actual experience. It's an experience of your perfect oneness with God. And once you have that experience, that's the answer, because it blows away anything that this world has to offer. There's nothing that this world has to offer that can even come close to that experience of perfect oneness, and it's actually possible for us to have that experience even while we appear to be here, even while we appear you know, to be walking around as human beings. We can actually have that experience of that higher life form which is God, which is that perfect oneness. And that's the experience that the Course is directed toward. So, so in a way, you're using the word heaven in the same way you use the word home. Yes, absolutely. It's the same thing. Uh, a lot of these words, they become kind of like the, the same meaning, you know. So, uh, yes, absolutely. Okay, so, so back to this idea of uh, getting divorced and being uh, fearlessly loving and forgiving at the same time. Were you able to go through your divorce, you and your wife, in a, in a spirit of forgiveness? Well, it didn't look that way at first. <laughs> it's like uh, my wife had uh, gotten into A Course in Miracles in the 1990s, and then she got away from it. And much to my surprise, when I left and moved up from Maine to California, which is not a little move, that's a pretty big move, and uh, when I came out here to California... She actually got back into A Course in Miracles and into this kind of forgiveness that is coming from a place of cause and not effect. And suddenly she was not acting like a victim. She was acting like, you know, she was very much a cause. And uh, she actually moved, you know, this is the kind of thing that happened when people do things like A Course in Miracles. She actually moved from Maine to Hawaii. I mean, you know, I never would have expected that for her because her mother lives in Maine. And her mother is like her best friend. And I never would have expected her to leave her mother. And all of a sudden, she moves to Hawaii, which is where I always wanted to live. And uh, it's like, in fact, I'm, when I go there after Christmas, I'm going to have lunch with her. And we have a good relationship. And the reason we have a good relationship is because we're both coming from that place of love and forgiveness that the Course is directed toward. And you can't put a price tag on something like that. You know, it's like impossible. It's it's like, my God, I, if you told me when we broke up that Karen and I could be really good friends, I would have said, yeah, sure, maybe in five or ten years. And it happened in just a couple of months. And the reason that that's possible is because of the kind of forgiveness that I'm describing that comes from a place of cause and not effect. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure I know what you mean, forgiveness that comes from cause and not effect. And I'm, I'm imagining... You know, let's say a difficulty I've had with a past employee, something like that, something that's still alive for me. And how how do I look at that coming at it from cause and not effect? Well, I think that part of the uh, the whole thing, and I can't really explain it in just you know this interview because you know I take all day <laughs> to explain that in my workshops. But the thing is that what you're coming from is a place where you understand that you made up the whole thing. It's not being done to you, it's being done by you. 
And when you start to look at it that way, you can't ever look at it the same way again. So it's like, okay, I'm not a victim. It's like, that's why the Course says that anger is never justified. It doesn't say that you'll never get angry, but it does say that anger is never justified. And the reason that it's never justified is because of something else that the Course says. It, it says the secret of salvation is but this, that you are doing this to yourself. You know, so once you realize that you're the projector, once you realize that you're not the effect, you're not the thing on the screen, which would include your own body, you're not even the body that you picture being on the screen, uh, but you're actually, you know, a part of the uh, the thing that is projecting the whole thing, well, you can't ever look at it the same way. You can't be a victim. You can't ever experience it the same way again. But it takes vigilance. That's why the Course says, you know, be vigilant only for God and His kingdom. Because now you're recognizing that reality is God. Reality is this perfect spirit that you really are. And everything else that you're seeing is just kind of like bull. You know, so it's really a choice that needs to be made. I guess what I'm still confused by is is I get how my interpretations of the events are made by me, but aren't there like actual events happening, even if they're not called events? Well, absolutely no. There there are no events that are actually happening. None of this is happening. That's why the Course says there is no world. Uh, and, and that's the difference between the Course in Miracles and other things. Uh, and most of the teachers of, of the Course in Miracles certainly do not articulate this or understand it, but the Course is saying that, no, none of this is true, absolutely none of this. There is no world, there is no universe of time and space. There is only a projection of a universe of time and space that is coming from you. So, you know, that may be kind of hard to swallow, you know, for some people, but that's what the Course is saying. A Course in Miracles is so radical that most of its teachers do not even understand how radical it is. But it's saying, look, what you're seeing is not true. And it does not exist. It never has. The individual you that you think is you has never existed. And that's the fact. And, you know, if you're not ready for that, fine. But that's the truth. Well, I have to say, Gary, that I feel stretched by your work in an interesting way. And I appreciate that about you. And I'm curious, you know, our program's called Insights at the Edge. And I'm curious what the edge is for you in your life right now, if you would relate to that idea that there's, you know, something you're questioning or inquiring into. Well, the edge for me is trying to forgive whatever comes up in front of my face. I mean, I'm being investigated by the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS, and it's like I'm going through this big audit, and they hate me, and, and they're, they're treating me with great unkindness. And that's what's up for me right now. So it's like whatever is up in front of your face, you know, that's the lesson that the Holy Spirit wants you to forgive. That's the lesson that the Holy Spirit is holding out to you and saying, look, if you can forgive this, then fine. I mean, and if I look at it, you know, in a, a knowing and kind of like, you know, intelligent form of a way, then I can say, okay, you know, at least, uh, you know, I can handle this and I can forgive this. But it's a challenge, and, and we all have challenges. You have your challenges, I have my challenges. But whatever is coming up for us, 
that's the lesson that the Holy Spirit wants us to forgive. And if we can forgive it, coming from a place where we understand that nothing is really happening, but we're the ones who did it, and then look beyond that to see reality, which is you know, the important step that great masters like Buddha and Jesus saw. That they didn't just you know, say, okay, this isn't real. They went a step beyond that. And they actually said, look, reality is this perfect oneness with our source. And if you can see everything as being that, then you're going all the way with this. Thank you so much, Gary. Gary's published three programs with Sounds True, The End of Reincarnation, Fearless Love, and Secrets of the Immortal, Advanced Teachings from A Course in Miracles. And thank you for giving us a a little taste of what you're teaching and the work that you're doing. Well, it's my pleasure, Tammy, and thank you for all of the great things that you do. I think that you brought spirituality up to a whole new level with your great publications and everything that you're doing. I salute your work. Thank you. We're in the caterpillar creation business, huh? <laughs> That's right. And uh, good luck with the IRS. Okay, thanks. From SoundsTrue.com, many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening. Thanks.